0: Good morning, everyone. Uh, really good to have you with us, connecting uh, with our online service this morning. Um, I want to I start with, with this lady here. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the Japanese tidying expert Marie Kondo. I've probably talked about her before. Uh, I'm kind of equally fascinated by her. I'm a little bit terrified of her. Um, Marie Kondo has taught some members of our household uh, some incredible new ways of folding their clothes which has been revolutionary and you can you can ask our kids about that uh, if you see them. Um, but maybe what Marie Kondo is most famous for is she she teaches people to go through their household house and to pick up each item one by one and to ask, does this spark joy? Uh, and if, it, if the answer is no, that it doesn't spark joy, she encourages us to take a moment to be thankful for that item and then to get rid of it. Right. So I'm not going to comment on whether that's good advice or not, um, but I want to, that's just kind of a little maybe teaser for some of the things I want to explore this morning which are maybe a little bit about spiritual decluttering uh, of our lives and we'll come back to Marie Kondo uh, at the end. Uh, but I want to read this morning um, a little bit of the teaching of Jesus from uh, Luke chapter uh, 5 verse 33 to 39. Um, and I'm going to really be focusing in on one little part about new wine and wineskins, uh, but I want to read a little bit of the wider context. So, Luke 5 33 to 39, this is what it says. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he's with them but the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them and in those days they will fast and he told him this parable no one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one otherwise they'll have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old and no one pours new wine into old wineskins otherwise The new wine will burst the skins, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. So um, this conversation, I guess the the beginning of the conversation, this is a conversation about fasting. People are observing Jesus and his disciples and they're saying they're, they're aware that the disciples of the Pharisees fasted often. Uh, we know from Luke 18 uh, that they often had a habit of fasting twice a week. Uh, it would have been on a Monday and a Thursday. That was their regular fast. We know that they also fasted on lots of special days throughout the year. Um, and it seems like the disciples of John the Baptist perhaps followed a very similar pattern. They followed that tradition of fasting regularly, regular fast days in the week, regular fast days in the year. Uh, We know that Jesus wasn't against fasting. Uh, Jesus himself fasted in the wilderness in Luke 4. He taught his disciples when you fast uh, in Matthew 6. But it does seem that as people watched Jesus and his disciples, they noticed that Jesus and his disciples didn't follow the traditional fasts. They didn't follow the usual pattern. They they didn't do what serious religious people usually did in those days. And this struck people as odd. And so they wanted to know why. Why do you keep eating and drinking? Why do you not pause uh, regularly for these traditional fasts? Uh, And Jesus gives three answers, all of which are kind of pictures or mini parables. One of them about a bridegroom in verse 34 and 35. One about patching a garment verse 36, Uh, but the one I want to really focus on, uh, you can go go and think about those other ones later, but I want to think about the one about wine and wineskins in verse 37 to 39. Um, Let's think for a moment about the different parts of this picture. What what does the new wine represent when Jesus talks about new wine? Um, And I want to suggest that the new wine represents new life in Christ, the new life that Jesus has come to bring, uh, which we could call the life of the kingdom of God, or life in the spirit, or life in all its fullness. That's what we're talking about when we we have that image of new wine. Um, I wonder, do you remember the, the first miracle of Jesus in John's Gospel, which we, we thought about when we were going through John, where he took six huge stone water jars filled with water for ceremonial washing, and he turned them into um, about 800 bottles of the best wine anyone had ever tasted. And John in his gospel says that was a sign. In other words, it it points to something true about Jesus and why he has come. And it seems like there in that story, Jesus is announcing that he has come to bring something new, something better, uh, better than the old covenant under the law uh, of Old Testament times but also better than anything the world has seen before. Um, And maybe that's kind of where we want to begin our exploration, that Jesus is always in every generation in the business of bringing newness and freshness, um, especially where religion has got tired and weary and stale. Jesus comes to bring newness and freshness, especially wherever people like you and I have become tired and weary and stale. Jesus comes to bring newness and freshness and an abundance of life. Uh, The wine speaks of joy and gladness, of freedom, of abundance of life, of new creation, um, of all that Jesus has come uh, to bring. Uh, That was true then, and it's true today as well. Um, So if that's what the, the new wine represents, then What do the wineskins represent? These kind of leather skins that people used to carry and store wine back in those days. Um, And I want to suggest that the wineskins represent um, the outward forms of our lives. Um, The habits and patterns and structures and forms and activities that give shape to our lives and our spiritual lives. Um, So fasting on a Monday and Thursday, that's a wineskin. Um, And for us, having church meetings on a certain day of the week, in a certain time, in a certain place, or prayer meetings, or home groups, or quiet times, the way, the form, the the shape that those things take, um, that's our wineskins. And I want to immediately say something really important, which is that wineskins are not bad. In fact, they're essential. We, We need forms and structures and habits to give shape to our lives. Um, and I think that's worth saying, because there's there's a fashionable idea maybe in the air today, kind of blowing around, that all structures and regular organized activity is bad. So you'll you'll hear people say, I don't like organized religion, or I don't like the institutional church. Um, And it's this idea that structures and institutions and organizations and activities and shape is bad. And maybe people find themselves saying today, we want a more free-form, free-wheeling, freestyle spirituality. We want to be spontaneous and unconstrained. So let's get rid of all regular habits and meetings and structures, and just kind of blow wherever the wind of the spirit takes us. Um, I don't know how you feel about that. That sounds kind of exciting, right? Um, but actually, I want to suggest that kind of freestyle spirituality. It's kind of like trying to carry wine around cupped in your hands. Um, and It it might be pretty exciting for a while, but it pretty soon runs through your fingers and onto the ground and you end up kind of empty handed. We need wineskins to hold the wine of life in the spirit. We need forms and rhythms and habits and structures um, as kind of containers to receive the fullness of life in Christ. So wineskins are good. Uh, They have their purpose. But here's the problem, Uh, what happens over time uh, as we have these kind of forms and structures in our lives? Uh, Maybe in the beginning we're clear about what's important, uh, that what matters is the life we find in Jesus, what matters is encounter with God himself, what matters is being filled with the Spirit. And these forms and structures are just a container, they're just a space where that can happen. But after a while we start to focus less on the new wine of life with God, and more on the container itself, on the wineskin. We put our energy into maintaining the container. We lean our confidence on the container. We find our identity in the container. And these activities and structures and habits actually become a kind of idol. We give them our devotion. We give them the best of ourselves. And we don't notice that actually the wine in the container has become stale, has become old. Our actual life with God has become kind of stale and tasteless. There's no joy, no delight, no freedom, no abundance of life. Um, And actually, in the the kind of little parable that Jesus tells, our old wineskins can't receive the new wine that Jesus wants to give, the new life that Jesus wants to pour out because they'll burst. We can't actually receive the newness that Jesus wants to bring in our lives. Um, And maybe the saddest thing of all that can happen, uh, and it's tucked in right at the end of the verses that we read, is that we can actually get a taste for stale wine. We actually come to think this is what wine is meant to taste like. Um, In other words, we come to think this is all the spiritual life is meant to be, this dull routine of dead and lifeless habits. That's all there's meant to be. And we can actually become scared of the new wine and say, the old is better. That's the the words that we read at the end. The old is better. And I think it's a really kind of stark warning that we need to post those words of Jesus for all of us, that this can happen to any of us. We can start out well, and then we get off track in these ways, and we, we end up clinging to something old and stale and closed off to the freshness and newness of life that Jesus is wanting to bring. And so... I wonder can you see why in his kindness and mercy, uh, let me say it this way, Jesus sometimes invites us to give up our old wineskins, to let go of those old containers and set them down because he wants to do something new in our lives and the old containers can't hold the new wine that he wants to give. The new wine needs new wineskins, new containers. And by the way, I I chose my words very carefully when I said, sometimes Jesus asks us to do this because I I don't think Jesus asks us to change our wineskins every day or every week. Um, I think that would become exhausting. Uh, That would be uh, just running after constant novelty and change for the sake of change. And just um, uh, actually, actually, I think as human beings, we need rhythms and routines and habits and patterns. But what we're paying attention to here is that we run the risk uh, of becoming stale and stuck in a rut. And so from time to time, he asks us to trade in our old wineskins for new ones uh, so we can receive what he wants to do in our lives. So that's kind of my little exploration of what what I think's going on in that little mini parable about the the wine and the wineskins. And I guess for the rest of our time, uh, I really want to kind of reflect with you about what might these words of Jesus have to say to us today, Uh, thinking about the times that we're living in and what's going on in this moment. uh, What might this parable have to say to us? And I guess, to put it very simply, uh, I want to reflect on what old wineskins do we need to set down? Because they no longer uh, serve us, they no longer uh, bring life. And what might be some of the new wineskins that we could choose instead? that will make space in our lives for the newness of life in Christ? Um, And really, those are the two questions I want to explore uh, for the rest of the time. Um, I guess we've been forced in these recent times uh, to set down some of our usual containers, some of our usual habits and routines and structures. Um, And I don't know how you find that. Maybe at times that has been liberating and enjoyable uh, to set those down. Maybe also at times it's been stressful and difficult, uh, the uncertainty of that and the the unfamiliarity of that and and there's anxiety in it. Um, And because there's some of those negative emotions that come with setting down our familiar habits, uh, we can find ourselves looking forward to the day when we can pick up all all our old familiar habits and routines again. Um, We look forward to the day when we can get back to doing all the things we used to do before we were rudely interrupted by coronavirus and uh, all that's going on. Um, And I guess I want to say it's very natural to think in that way, especially if we're feeling anxious to, to want to get back to doing what we used to do before. It's very human. But I want to suggest maybe this morning that from a spiritual perspective, there are maybe different questions that we need to ask. What if these are days when Jesus is wanting to do something new? And what if some of our old containers have had their day? What if actually we had started to become too attached to some of our wineskins, and we need to set them down so we can receive something new? What if we need to maybe not be in a rush to pick up again everything that we had set down? Um, And I want to think a little bit with you about what that might mean. Um, First of all, in our individual and family lives, uh, and secondly, in the life of the church. Um, and I'm really just going to be throwing out to you maybe some of my guesses and hunches and wonderings about this. Um, and I, but I'd love you to do the work of thinking about this for yourself. Um, and I'd love to hear what stirs in your heart as you reflect on these things and think, think about them. So, a few of my hunches. First of all, uh, maybe thinking about our individual and family lives. Um, I wonder if there's an opportunity for, here's a few things, for new devotional habits. Um, Perhaps your devotional life had become stale. Maybe you had a routine of Bible reading and prayer and it used to be full of life and a sense of God's presence and God's voice. But maybe in more recent times, it has become stale and lifeless, just going through the motions. And what if there's an opportunity in these days to set down some of the old ways of doing that, the old habits and routines, and to try something new. And um, There's so many ways to engage with God and scripture and prayer. Um, maybe we can ask others for ideas. Maybe we can be creative. Maybe we can look for something that will be life-giving for us. Um, so maybe there's an opportunity for new devotional habits. Um, maybe there's opportunity for new family habits um, as well. Uh, maybe your family life um, had become too busy before lockdown. Uh, maybe your life had become over-programmed and stuffed with activities and kind of running around like headless chickens, driving the kids here, there and everywhere and uh, with no margin and no space to, to sit or to breathe or to just be together, to eat together, to play together, to talk together. Um, maybe some of those old activities are things we don't need to be in a rush, to pick up again. Maybe some of those old wineskins have had their day. Uh, maybe we need to choose something different for our family rhythms and habits. Or maybe, maybe in your family life, uh, your family life had become spiritually dull. Uh, maybe you'd come to rely on church and adventurers and Animate and Ryan uh, and the other leaders to, to feed you all spiritually and keep you alive. And you'd kind of forgotten how to talk about Jesus in the home, and how to pray together, or how to make faith a natural part of just everyday life in the family and the home. And maybe there's an opportunity in these days to form new life-giving habits as a family, to start the day with prayer, or to eat together and share highs and lows from the day, or to have a special meal at the weekend to give thanks, and um, just have way- habits and patterns that are life-giving, you as a family. Maybe some of the old habits need to be set down. Maybe there's some new uh, wineskins, some new containers, some new habits that will bring renewal to your your pattern of life as a family. So those are some of my wonderings about family habits and family life. Um, Or maybe there's an opportunity for some new lifestyle habits. Um, I feel like I need to say at this point by the way, I'm not encouraging you to drink wine out of a mug as the sun rises in the mornings. Uh, you can see that mug is like a container uh, for the new life that Jesus wants to bring and the new things that he's wanting to do. Um, that's just a little digression. Um, some Some of you have been telling me that um, you've taken up new hobbies in this time or gone back to old hobbies that you haven't that you'd kind of neglected for a while um, and some of you are gardening or running or cooking or making things with your hands. Um, uh, maybe I want to encourage you, maybe the things I've been talking about so far sound uh, very obviously spiritual, but I want to remind us to not make the mistake of thinking those habits are, all, are not also spiritual. Um, God made us with the capacity to enjoy these things. Um, so I want to encourage you, pay attention to how God wired you, how God made you, to what gives you life. Um, Remember Eric, Eric Little who said, God made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Um, I want to encourage you to work out what that is for you. Uh, that thing that, where you can say, in your enjoyment of it, you, you sense God's enjoyment, and it's life-giving. Uh, what are some of the old habits that have become dull routine? What are the new ones that might just release new energies and new life uh, in you? Uh, what do you need to leave behind to make room for new wine? So those are some of my wonderings about uh, on an individual and family level? Um, what might it mean for us to set down old wineskins and take up the new? Um, I want to think now about church life. Um, and I guess I want to tread gently here because um, I know some of you are really looking forward in a sense to things getting back to being exactly the way they were before. And again, I want to I say that that's a very human and very natural especially in our anxiety. But I do want to gently, gently suggest that in church life especially, we need to not mistake the wineskins for the wine. And I want to ask the question, what if Jesus wants to do something new among us? And actually, what if we need to let go of some of our old containers, not saying all of them, but some of them which have had their day um, in order to make space for new life among us? Um, and I want to throw out maybe three areas where I'm wondering if that might be something that God might be doing. Um, I'll start with the easiest one and work, work to the more challenging ones. Um, maybe, maybe the simplest one to start with is about new technology. Um, before all of this, I'm, I'm going to be sort of share honestly here. Before all of this happened, um, I was largely a technophobe. Um, I, don't, I don't love technology. I'm have a sort of, i kind of old fashioned and like things simple. Um, and so if people before all this happened had talked about doing church online and using video and all the rest, um, I wouldn't have been rushing into that. I would have been a little bit um, hesitant and skeptical. Uh, church needs to be face to face. I don't like the doing things through screens and all the rest. But lockdown forced us to be creative and to learn quickly. Uh, and I'm tremendously grateful to those who worked out the technology, and especially Dave Calvin, who's been here in the room with me uh, every week uh, as we do this and has put in so much time and energy uh, to making this work. Um, maybe in the beginning we were forced by necessity to go online to use technology to be creative. Uh, maybe some of us who don't like technology were thinking this is temporary uh, as a way of just getting through uh, this time. But then we have found something really interesting happening. Um, The people have been tuning in to our services uh, and services in other churches who don't normally come to church in the building. Some of them are Christians with health issues who maybe have struggled for years to get out to church. Some are Christians who struggle with anxiety or shyness and find being in a crowd in church really difficult, but now are finding new life through connecting online. And of course, some of them are people who haven't gone to church in years um, or maybe ever, but are curious and seeking and interested. And online church has provided a way for them to dip their toe in the water. And so I'm kind of confessing to you, this has been humbling for me uh, because it seems like Jesus is doing something new and we're going to need some new wineskins. And one way or another, we're going to need to stay online uh, even when all of this is over and we're working out working away at uh, ideas and ways and exploring how to do that well. And it may mean that sometimes we need to do our service in the building a little differently because we're gonna be thinking not only about those in the room, but also those uh, at home. Uh, And so for me, this one has been humbling. God has humbled me and helped me get over myself and some of my hesitations um, and embrace that maybe we need some new wineskins because God is doing something new in our time that's maybe a simple one. Um, second one I've wondered about um, is to do maybe with new simplicity. Um, this, this maybe echoes something I said already about family life. Um, it's also true that church life can become very busy. Uh, and I guess I've been reflecting before coronavirus, um, our church life here in the Sandal Centre was um, buzzing with activity and that was really good. This place was full of life and action and stuff happening for every age and every group under the sun and things happening on nearly every day of the week and all of those activities needing enthusiastic volunteers and teams and routers to make them happen. And again, those things are good. And they all, all of those things always begin, don't they? With a clear sense of purpose. But it's also true that over time, we can become too busy and we can forget why we're doing all those things and we can actually start to feel like we just have to keep the activity going for its own sake. We focus on the wineskin and not the wine. And we become kind of full of flurry and worry and hurry. And maybe we become like Martha running around in the kitchen doing all the things that we're convinced need to be done. And if anybody asks us, we get grumpy and say, we're doing it for Jesus. But maybe from time to time we need to hear gentle words of Jesus himself saying Martha Martha you're worried and you're troubled by many things but only one thing is necessary and in the middle of the busyness of church life we can forget the one thing what's the one thing it's to sit in the company of Jesus himself to be with him to listen to his voice Um, and so of course as time goes on lots of activities are going to start up again here and elsewhere, and I'm really glad about that. I'm looking forward to the Sandal Centre being buzzing again. But I also think there's a great opportunity for us not to rush to pick everything up again, but maybe to bring each thing to Jesus and ask, is this something that's right for this next season? Is this something we need to pick up again? And if so, ask for fresh vision and passion to go after it wholeheartedly. And if not, we can let it go and ask what's next and look for new wineskins to receive the things that God wants to do in our next chapter. Uh, And So maybe there could be a new simplicity where we uh, keep our focus on the one thing and don't get uh, uh, full of anxiety and worry about the many things. Here's the the third and last thing uh, I wanna mention, and this is maybe the most challenging, is that maybe there's an opportunity for new adventures and mission um, and here, here in MCF, we've been on a journey the last couple of years of listening to God and seeking God's direction for the next chapter, and I don't want to repeat all that we've talked about, but we, we have been convinced that God has spoken to us in a variety of ways um, about preparing to move outward in fresh mission, and we started moving out into new mission projects in different places, and we started praying about the possibility of church planting um, I think most of us, if we're being honest, um, probably like the idea in principle of being part of a church that's doing church planting. But we also kind of hope that we wouldn't be asked to go, right? And if we, if we search a little bit why, why we feel that way, a lot of it has to do with because we like it here in the Sandal Centre. And we like being with these people and we like this worship band and we like this te- teaching And we're quite attached to these familiar wineskins. And I find myself wondering, and I I know others have been wondering this as well, if one of the things God might be doing among us in these days is getting some of us ready to move. Uh, Maybe after what we've gone through now we might be a little bolder and a little lighter on our feet and a little more able to imagine flourishing spiritually without all the familiar things that we we had here in the Sandal Centre. I guess I find myself remembering in the book of Acts, the church in Jerusalem was thriving. Uh, Like like it was an exciting moment for the church in Jerusalem and thousands had come to faith and the church was on fire. And then persecution came, something they would never have chosen, something deeply uncomfortable, and they were scattered. And it, it must have felt like disaster. And they must have hoped, I I certainly would if I'd been there, they must have hoped that soon they could all return to Jerusalem and it it would be just the way it used to be. But we know from the book of Acts that wasn't God's plan. As they were scattered, some of them stayed where they were scattered and shared the good news of Jesus there. And new churches were planted in new soil. Um, And God used something uncomfortable which they would never have chosen to move them out in fresh mission and church planting. Um, and I find myself wondering, is it possible that God might do something similar among us as well, that he's getting some of us ready to be bold uh, and to move out? Um, I want to encourage you to reflect on that. Um, let's finish by coming back to Marie Kondo. Um, why, why did I bring her up at the beginning and her, her, her questions about sparking joy? Um, I, guess, I guess I'm wondering if this might be for some of us a time for a spiritual decluttering of our lives. Um, And maybe in a similar way to to Marie Kondo encouraging us to hold our household items and ask, does this bring joy? Uh, And if not, to be thankful, but then to to get rid of it. I, I wonder, can we do something similar with our habits and rhythms and routines? Can we maybe quite intentionally over this next while, take each of them, and hold them and ask, does this bring life for me and my family and our church uh, and our neighborhood? Um, Does it cause the life and joy and freedom of Jesus to flow in me and through me? Um, Does it make space for the life-giving energies of the spirit to be at work in our lives? And if not, if the answer is no, um, I I love that idea that we just take take a moment to be really thankful for the way those things have served us in the past, but then to let them go and ask Jesus to show us the new wineskins that can receive the new wine that he wants to pour out in our next chapter. And I wonder if that's something we can actually go through our lives at the minute a little bit uh, reflectively and intentionally um, and hold each thing uh, and ask those questions. I guess I wanna encourage you as we end that we don't need to be scared of asking these questions. We're we're often as human beings scared of newness and change, but we can trust Jesus. He is always for us and for our good and for our flourishing. He doesn't bring change just for the sake of novelty. Um, And so if we ask these questions and Jesus asks us to set something down, it's because it's no longer life-giving. It's because he wants to give us something better. Uh, It's because he always wants to bring newness of life and freshness and vitality uh, and life of the spirit uh, in our lives. Uh, My grandfather used to sing, no matter what has been before, there are greater blessings still in store. The light is shining more and more and the best is yet to come. Uh, Let me pray for us as we finish and then we're going to sing one more time. Um, Father, thank you that you you know us and you know our hearts. Um, You know all the thoughts and feelings that swirl in us when we think about these things. And you know that for some of us we find change difficult and we cling on very often to what's familiar. Um, I want to pray you'd give us courage this morning to hear the challenge these words of Jesus, that sometimes what's familiar is actually killing us. Sometimes what's familiar is stifling the possibility of newness and freshness and growth in our lives. Father, we really need your help as we maybe sort through the clutter of our lives at this time. Uh, Would you help us to know the things that we need to set down, the things that have served their time, Help us to be thankful for uh, what they've meant to us in the past, but help us also to be willing to set them down. Um, Father, we need your wisdom to show us what are the new things, the new habits, the new routines, the new containers in our individual lives, in our families, in our homes, in our work lives, in our friendships, in our church life, um, that will bring life in this next season that will cause the new wine of the kingdom of God to flow in our lives and through us to the people around us. Um, Father, help us not to be scared of that kind of newness, uh, the newness that Jesus brings. Um, Help us step by step uh, to walk towards those things and embrace them uh, with hope and with faith. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.